Let's go, baby. It's football cards collecting and investing. His name is Andy, and we have a very special guest today. We need some round of applause emojis in the live chat right now for my friend and yours, Rob Weber. What's up, Rob? How you doing, my friend? Good. How are you guys? Man, we're world-class, baby. And today, Andy, you and I have discussed this privately, Mr. Kaysen, Mr. Football Card Quest. Uh, my personal collection, I've been focusing on 90s and 2000s stuff lately, Andy. And you've been looking into it uh, some yourself, Mr. Kaysen. Yes, sir. Yeah, you know, uh, look at this. Look at this. Very, very nostalgic time for me <laughs> growing up in the 90s and early 2000s. My favorite uh, Buccaneer team was the 2002 Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And so I've been uh, I've been graced to have, you know, gotten some pretty cool refractors from the early 2000s. I always find it super fascinating. Like I found some stuff in my collection as a kid that it just blows me away. And I've tried to get a precious metal gems, Mike Allstott, but I can't seem to uh, get my hands on one because they just get so expensive. And I'm not expecting the auction to jump up to like $500 and, and it gets away from me every time. That's the only thing you're missing, Andy, is a Mike Allstott neck roll. <laughs> That, that's, what I, yeah. that's what I wanted to see. So we're rocking our most 90s thing. I'm rocking a Supersonics, uh, Sean Kemp, Kevin Durant warm up. And obviously, Rob is probably my favorite 90s and 2000s collector that I have found. He actually broke a record. We'll get to that in just a second. And that record just got broken over the past year. But Rob, uh, you collect you still collect some modern stuff. I've seen your stuff. But what made you really want to dive deep into 90s and 2000s refractors? Well, to keep it really brief, you know, I started collecting as a kid in the 80s and 90s alongside my twin brother, Ryan. And then we kind of left the hobby in 1995 at age 15. You know, a lot of people do this. You start getting interested in, you know, uh, the opposite sex. You maybe get busy with high school and college. But then about 10 years ago, we came back to the hobby. You know, it took a little while to kind of get uh, re you know adjusted. Grading wasn't a thing when I used to collect as a, as a teen or a kid. And so I learned about grading. And, and pretty quickly, we kind of locked in on. And by the way, my brother and I have been pretty successful entrepreneurs. We have a little bit more of a bankroll than we did as kids. I had really pretty terrible cards as a kid. But it was the prime junk wax era back then. So, you know, it's not like I was missing out on too much. But I, you know, as we came back to the hobby, we started by just buying high graded kind of base cards from like tops and so forth, you know, uh, particularly football cards, but also some baseball and basketball. It was just sort of the stuff we would have collected. And and then, you know, I, we actually it wasn't until maybe two or three years ago, we started to learn about rare serial numbered cards that started to come out in like 1997 time frame. So think about your Skybox, your Fleer, even, uh, you know, Tops, Chrome, Bowman Chrome, you know. Uh, so we, we, as we learned about that, we just thought it was a lot more interesting when you have parallel cards that are like, you know, one of ones or numbered to 50 or numbered to a hundred. And, you know, this is back when there was maybe like two, maybe three parallels for a set versus like now you, what do you have? Like dozens and dozens of parallel, you know, people talk about chasing rainbows and all this, like there wasn't much of a rainbow to collect where there were <laughs> parallels back, you know, then. So quite frankly, like those cards, 97, 98. I didn't know they existed because they didn't exist when I collected as a kid. But, you know, we kind of locked in on those. And that's what's been most of our focus. We do occasionally buy, like, cards outside of this 
this sort of era of these sort of late 90s, early 2000s. But, you know, for the most part, you know, you'll see most of our 2000 plus card collection, which you can see on NextGen, we use the iPhone app to kind of share our collection. And right. so kind of, uh, but it, you know, the estimated value is around $3 million. Um, uh, you know, we did really well with the stuff we picked up before COVID. Uh, we continue to buy during COVID when prices surge. And then, of course, prices for some of the cards have come down. But all in, you know, I don't know, maybe ballpark, it's in that kind of range. And we think we have uh, some pretty special cards if you're in the 90s football and do and also baseball and basketball. But definitely football is kind of our main focus. Yeah, and it's ours as well. So my question to you is, you know, obviously each and every week on this show, we do a lot of modern uh, football card stuff. We talk about the release dates and and all of that. Um, do you still partake in some modern stuff or have you mostly just focused in on just building the best 90s and 2000s stuff you possibly can? Yeah, a little bit. Um, you know, uh, we have, uh, I would say in particular, like some of the rare prism cards of the last few years. Also some, uh, we also kind of like contenders. So we've been buying some of those. Right. You know, as you guys probably know, like in the NFL kind of card world, quarterbacks are sort of king and so you know we all kind of have a fondness for like top tier wide receivers you know some i i always get a little worried about buying you know running backs because as we all know the careers can be pretty short and uh and so but we still you know sometimes we'll buy some of those and, and i love a good defensive goat player like yeah uh, so there's a little bit of that in our collection i would say my my two boys that are 11 and 13 really uh, like to collect, you know, the players of today. So they, they, uh, I also enjoy helping them with their collections on the more ultra modern cards, but uh, we're definitely, you know, most of the money in our collection is kind of in those, uh, those night, those big nineties cards. So Andy, uh, what we want people to do is in the comments section right now, uh, or just down below, if you're watching this down the road, or if you're listening to this on our podcast platforms, let us know if you are one of those people like Rob that want to partake in this direction. So I've actually done this recently. I'm a big patch card guy, not so much refractor. Uh, I've been picking up, you know, patches of all the legends from this era. So, Rob, I guess my next question would be what would be, you know, some of the tips that you would give people when it comes to actually moving away from 2022, 2021 stuff. And uh, if they're interested in going in your path, what, what would you tell them? Well, I think you should realize if you're going after nineties cards, you probably have two choices. You can either go after like base cards, particularly in the early nineties of kind of your favorite players from the nineties. But you know, there, there's nothing, there's no, they didn't have serial numbered cards back then. You maybe would have started to see some refractors, but not serial mm -hmm. numbered up until around like 97. And so, you know, for my money, what I like to go after is those first serial numbered parallel cards. The, some of these would call these the most iconic, you know, football card sets of all time, certainly of the 90s. So if you think about like nine, uh, like the in the first uh, Metal Universe football uh, cards that came out from Fleer, you know, the Metal Universe cards produced as you guys probably know, the green and the red precious metal gems cards. Yeah. In basketball, they were uh, they were they were numbered to a hundred in basketball, with the first ten being green and the and the next ninety being red. In football, uh, which came out I think just after, there were they were numbered to one hundred fifty, 
with the first 15 being green of the PMGs and then the next 135. But there's other, uh, you know, there's four or five sets that I really like to target. And uh, and I don't really care if it's rookie cards, right? Like there's a Reggie White you're looking at. That's one of the uh, certified gold cards numbered to 30. It's Reggie White in a Packers uniform. You know, that's a really big Reggie White card. I find that card to be a lot more exciting than like, you know, the uh, tops Reggie White cards from like the mid to late 80s. Yeah. You know, as you, you there's those that was the junk wax era. So, you know, if you wanted to collect these like 90s, you know, kind of Hall of Fame football players, you know, if you want to collect something really unique and special, um, you kind of want to you might want to think about these 90s, these really big 90s cards versus like just the the base rookies or the base cards for these hall of fame players. So right. we sort of late, we kind of laser focused on this 97 to sort of 2000 time period. I think this is like, you know, arguably like the most iconic years for football cards. You know, you could, you could say that everything that's come later has been sort of inspired by what happened at that time. So, you, you know, you had the first one ones the first parallel cards. So, you know, you can open a box of metal universe and from uh, football and you'll be lucky to pull, you know, you might open five or six boxes to get one precious metal gems card. And so, you know how the, a lot of the more ultra modern, I don't open a lot of this, but from what I hear, like you're going to get all kinds of like hits all the time. You know, it wasn't that way in these first parallel sets, right? Like you really had to rip a lot of p- packs to get a special card like that. So, yeah, you know, it's interesting, Andy. Um, we say out of Bob Curtis, family kent in the live chat right now andy i know you're big Derek brooks guy john lynch guy i know that was a little bit uh after you know the o2 run but andy i'm sure you know some of this stuff excites you when you when you look at the skybox stuff it, it just looks so cool my man casein oh yeah it really does and and i'm really curious to uh to find out from you rob like how much does does the player name matter? Like if, if you find a PMG of even like a nobody that flamed out, is it still worth some decent money? Like what's the what's the floor for like a PMG from like a 97 to a 99 uh, metal universe? Yeah, so it's interesting. You know, they've certainly been trending up in price. I had a... It's crazy. Was the '98 Precious Metal Gem? So this would have been the second year Precious Metal Gems, uh, after the Green and Red year. I think that was '97. The next year, they came out with I think a really iconic set of Metal Universe. Uh, these were numbered to 50. I picked up a Heinz Ward, Heinz Ward about nine months ago. Raw got it graded from SGC. I think it came back like an eight five. Okay, I picked that up for four hundred dollars raw. And, uh, you know, that's probably an 800 to to $1,000 card now. So it's doubled in value in, le- in like 12 months. Now, keep in mind, you guys know what's been going on with card prices across the board the last 12 months, right? right. So I've been pretty pleased that we shifted our collection this way because we've seen, you know, uh, those co- like common players are probably the second year PMGs. You're probably talking 400 bucks, you know, three, 400 bucks. So I actually, uh, I gave a friend of mine about a year ago, I bought from that same second year P- metal universe with football, with the PMGs. I gave my friend the Trent Dilfer. I didn't know you were a big Bucks fan. I would have gave it to you. I paid $70 for it and I, uh, about a year ago, raw. Another raw one just sold 
you know, I think it was the first one to sell since the one I bought for $70 and it sold for like, I think it was $250. Look at you. So, wow. so and what, that, what grade did that one come back as? I think Trent Dilfer is, he, uh, I think, you know, I think he'd be, he kind of would probably be like a common, although he won a Super Bowl. So you would think there's probably a, a following for these uh, Bucks players, you know, but anyway, I think Dilfer won a Super Bowl, didn't he? Yeah, with the, the Ravens. With the Ravens. Yeah. Oh, it's Ravens? <laughs> yeah. Okay. The so year after the year after we cut them, <laughs> of course. <laughs> yeah, they didn't need them. So, so like this is like the only card that you can get, or, or I guess maybe subset of cards within the hobby that it doesn't necessarily have to come back a ten to really add value uh, in the grading process. Yeah, I think I think it's just there. You know, as probably a lot of sets. You know, uh, many of these sets don't have a lot of known, uh, you know, issues with fraud or with, you know, copy, like, you know, fakes floating around. Um, but you'll definitely, you'll get, a, you'll inspire more confidence if you get these graded. Right. Uh, especially the bigger cards. Um, but, the, you know, it's, uh, if, you, if you're working with collectors who, like myself, who trade in a lot of these, we can kind of spot what, there's some obvious things in some of the ones that have fakes. And some of these sets, you know, have really no fakes floating around there but there are some of these these late 90s sets that are really iconic and really valuable where they're uh probably less so than fakes it's like backdoor copies okay before i don't know if you're familiar with this but like fleer and skybox i think they either went out of business or sold in in kind of a in, in distress i believe uh i think disney bought them out eventually and that's why you have marvel has carried forward a lot of these sets because uh, Disney acquired them, or uh, Marvel, okay. sorry, not Disney. Of course, Disney went on later to acquire Marvel. But I think the, uh, you know, I think the backdoor copies happen when, in the moment, like a, maybe early 2000s, when Skybox and Fleer had financial issues, you know, they were liquidating the business and some backdoor copies of these rare parallels came out, not for all of the sets, but for some of the sets. So if you, if you notice you get a PMG and it doesn't have a serial number, it's it's sort of considered to be a backdoor like fake. Um, they're still cool know. cards. But they're not what they weren't the original pack inserted cards, right? Uh, and so you just got to watch out for it. Uh, personally, I would never buy. I, I would buy those maybe just out of my own curiosity. But no, those aren't really the pack inserted ones. If you see the no the ones about the numbers. Yeah, I love a good Yancey thick thick pin card right here, Yancey. Thick pin. That's a that's a that's a deep cut right there. So just for clarification here, because obviously, Rob, there's going to be some football card questers that are going to be inspired today by you uh, to 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 start their journey into something like this. And there's going to be some people that don't care about this and they want to you know stick with modern stuff because those are the players that they know. So just for clarification, a backdoor copy is when a card is printed but it's not actually put in the the, the the packs and they actually get out into the public that's correct yeah so what what they would you know what's generally referred to as like a backdoor copy again Fleer and skybox you know were very distressed companies so I, I think this was actually out of like bankruptcy court they had to liquidate their assets and what they would do is in case these limited edition cards were damaged they would maintain originally printed copies, but without the serial numbers in their okay. you know, warehouses in case right. it to sort of swap out a damaged rare card. And then what happened when in their bankruptcy is, of course, they're just liquidating their assets. So then they just sell those off to the highest bidder. You know, the bad news is, and, and uh, 
PWCC wrote an article in depth uh, on this in one of their, they do like a, uh, I think it's a monthly publication. So if you're interested, you know, send me a, a, tw a DM on Twitter and I can kind of uh, put you in touch with this. But, you know, they, the problem with the bankruptcy hearing for Fleer and Skybox uh, was they didn't really like, they didn't inventory all the stuff that got sold in the auction. So there's not really a, like a definitive list of which cards, you know, were sold in, in uh, these backdoor copies. But, you know, PSA would be the grading company that is most on top of this. Uh, you can definitely uh, trust, I think, PSA. Um, I'd be a little nervous about the other, uh, the other car, you know, the other grading companies just because of, you know, how strong a knowledge they have in this particular area, but PSA right. is great. And of course, as you guys probably know, Nat Turner is a huge nineties collector and he's uh what chairman of, of collectors and PSA. Right. So, you know, I think Nat probably pays special attention if I had to guess of what happens with these nineties sets, because he's heavily invested as you guys probably know. Right. Let's go to Drake's uh, underscore PC. I believe I actually follow uh, Drake's underscore PC's question here. He says, hey, guys, some great Hall of Famers in the PNG sets, but guys like Manning and Moss are in their college jerseys in 98. Do you think jerseys matter less and less over time and the player matters more? We go to you, Rob. Well, I probably have, you know, arguably the number one Randy Moss collection in the world. If you want to see it, I have uh, 250 of the most valuable Randy Moss cards available on my, if you click on the link on my Twitter profile, you can see them all in high definition. They're also in the native iPhone app next gem. Uh, but if you look at there, so I've got a mixture. If you sort by like uh, maybe hypes or by value, the one on the far right is a 1998 Fleer Brilliance, 24 karat gold, Randy Moss. That's you see that? Look at that. They made 24 of those. That card's worth about mm, pushing $100,000. Um, I think that's the 24K one. There's also a gold one, number to 99, uh, where they made 90. Uh, of the, there's so two parallels in that set. So that's, you know, this is a pretty special Randy Moss card right here. But you are right. Like the first edition Precious Metal Gems Randy Moss. Well, there were Series 1 and Series 2. The series, I have both, by the way, if you search like Precious Metal under Randy Moss, you can see them from my collection. Uh, there, uh, yeah, I probably have to maybe run the search, but you can see, he, you are right, the first uh, the first Moss and the first Manning were pre-MGs were in their college jerseys, but then they did Series 2 cards, where, uh, or you can get the 99s, uh, the 1999 PMGs uh, are certainly in their pro uniforms, so... You know, I, I personally would prefer a Randy Moss, you know, card in his Viking jersey as a huge Viking fan. Um, but, you know, it's kind of cool there. I, I I like the Charles. Wo There's a lot of Mich University of Michigan collectors. As you guys probably know, Charles Woodson was an, another Hall of Famer in that rookie class. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of the Michigan collectors actually prefer, I think, the Charles Woodson Michigan jersey, uh, these rare cards. Um, and, and I don't know, maybe Tennessee fans are a fan of the Manning. But you do. There's enough of enough of these cards to kind of pick if you want the college jersey or the pro jersey. I don't really distinguish too much. I I want them all. <laughs> so right. Yeah, uh, Randy Moss, better known as the father of Thaddeus Moss, who was part of the greatest college football team of all freaking time, the 2019 LSU Tigers. But um, no, I'm just kidding. But that was great. I was shocked he didn't work out in the NFL. But 
Yeah, that is so interesting to me. Like those Vikings teams have Randy Moss. He also had Chris with no H Carter. I loved it, man. Uh, all he does is catch touchdowns. That era of, of Vikings football was, was was awesome. And what's interesting about that is Randy Moss is is not a quarterback, and that also excites me because Andy is also like you, Rob. He's not just a quarterback guy. So you know, I I think that should inspire people to look into other positions that aren't just quarterbacks. Yeah, I agree. I, I think, and you know, that's what I think makes these big nineties inserts and parallels really interesting is like, you won't find too many valuable cards of like Reggie white or Bruce Smith or Derek Thomas, rest in peace. You know, uh, these are Deion Sanders is another favorite of mine. And you know, the hobby just doesn't pay them the love. So I'm all about scooping those up. Like, I probably got one of the, the the most valuable collections of Deion Sanders. I also go after the baseball cards of Deion from these same precious metal gems. You know, the, those, the rubies, the credentials, um, the, uh, the Fleer Brilliance kind of 24 karat gold uh, or the certified gold and platinum cards, uh, ultra platinum medallions. There's sort of like these five or six parallel inserts that I really love. And uh, with Deion, it's weird as, his prices in baseball are even lower than football. And I think it's because he wasn't that people tell me he wasn't as good of a baseball player, but like, so what he was like, if you were around in the late nineties, he, he defined culture and he was so dominant in football that I'm like, I'm happy to scoop up some cheap primetime baseball cards like PMPs and so forth. So I like, I like collecting these. I mean, because, you know, you can pick up, you know, some of the biggest Dion cards might go for a couple thousand dollars or, you know, but if he was like a basketball player, those same cards would be in the hundreds of thousands of dollars. That's just the difference between defensive Hall of Fame players and football cards versus like the, the stars of the NBA of the late 90s. I'm talking the same sets, guys. So I just I don't under I think obviously the NBA cards, these big NBA cards, we've seen the pricing has been pretty flat the last year. I think they just got so high in prices. You know, you might have seen like the PMG Gold Kobe Bryant last sold for two million dollars in a public auction, I believe. Um, you know that Barry, that Jerry Rice that sold last fall was the record '90s football card, the green PMG that sold for 150 grand. The prior record was the Brett Favre PSA nine PMG green that my brother and I bought for 78 grand. So you can see there's almost a you would most people from the who were around in the '90s would have compared, you know, Barry Sanders and and Jerry Rice were kind of the iconic top players like Griffey in baseball and that would have been right there with like Kobe in basketball and yet those basketball cards are 10x the price and I go man what's up with football and baseball and people bitch and moan like oh these baseball cards are so expensive because they're like two grand I'm like go look at the basketball cards they're freaking like way more you know so I just think these sets are still not recognized by football and baseball collectors and I think that's why they're trending up because I think part of it is there's a more global appeal to NBA. And I think particularly, you know, in Asia, like numbers really matter a lot in like a lot of Asian cultures. So I think they picked up on these serial numbered cards, I think uh, in basketball earlier than like baseball and football collectors. Okay. Sort of my working theory on why there's such a huge price discrepancy. By the way, if you want to see the green Barry Sanders precious metal gems, one of 15, we have a high grade version of it on next gem. My friend, uh, who I caught up with at in Atlantic City last year, uh, brought it to the show and he scanned it in on Next Gem. 
I want to get one. I want to get the the Sanders and the Rice uh, PMG Green some days, but those are you know probably ballpark. Those are 150 to 200 grand cards right now, right? So gotta save up my money. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, no, I hear that. I, I love the the uh, comparison process that you you go through here with Rob between the football and basketball cards and baseball and kind of reverse engineering like wow I'm not expecting this football card to you know grow to the same value as the basketball card with the global appeal and everything but it should at least be a respectable number and it, it's obvious that you've done really well uh, using that process and I do the same thing with ultra modern so. I, is is the PMG like the ultimate card that has the the quality from the late '90s that can oftentimes go undervalued in in auctions? Because I kind of look at like the rookie ticket auto of today as that card that has the quality of being like a hundred dollar card, but a lot of times you could pick it up in auction, especially for skill position players, for like twenty bucks, and then you you, you all of a sudden you've got a, a tremendous amount of potential and ROI. Uh, is is the PMG that for the late '90s, or what do you think the the top um, set is? I would, uh, yeah. So you probably have the you know the Metal Universe, Precious Metal Gems. '97 would probably be the top. The '97 Greens, the '98s have the gold and the champ uh, championship uh, version cards. I think or the gold. Uh, those are numbered to fifty. Uh, these the Greens are numbered to fifteen. So the next year, Metal Universe '98s are numbered to 50, but there's actually a one of one gem master, one of one PMGs in the 98. So those are the grail of all grails. If you can find the one of one gem masters, uh, 1998 precious metal gems. Um, you don't see those around. There was a bill Romanowski, the Broncos linebacker. So they yeah. last week for, I think it was just shy of $2,700 raw. So wow. how many times have you seen a Bill Romanowski go for <laughs> 700 bucks? But that was the Gem Masters 1998. So just a couple of weeks ago, my brother and I, as you know, sort of Minnesota sports fans, we came across the David Ortiz 1998 boss. Uh, David Ortiz, of course, the baseball player, Big Poppy. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Masters one of one. So this was his first precious metal gems card. Uh, or the 98 baseball and we got the we found the one of one and we picked it up as quick as we could uh so we now own arguably we believe that is the number one david ortiz big poppy card in all of baseball um and so that's what i think there's uh, the other uh one-on-ones if you're after one-on-ones ultra and flare cards from like 97 to 99 made masterpiece one-of-ones um, so though, uh, if you're after those, otherwise ultra also have platinum medallions. Those are also big cards. Those were numbered to like typically numbered to like a hundred. Those are a little more reasonably priced than PMGs, but you know, I think a lot of the big nineties collectors, they, this, the ones they're targeting are like the ultra platinum medallions, the, uh, metal universe, precious metal gems, probably the Scott, uh, the EX 2001 credentials. Um, especially the earlier years of credentials. I think some people see the 2000 to 2010 kind of era credential cards from EX 2000. You know, those don't go for nearly as much as the early credential cards. Um, and then uh, other ones that you might target are like the totally certified platinum and gold cards. Those are lim very limited. And uh, Fleer Brilliance, we already talked about that. And then, and then definitely rubies, star rubies. Those are probably number two to PMGs. Um, I have a, 
you know, several dozen Ruby cards as well as P there's over 400 PMG cards on next gem. So if you want to see a bunch of these like rare nineties football, if you have an iPhone, you can check them out. Or uh, I also have mine listed on my profile on Twitter. You can just browse my collection. Yeah. Here's the wild. star rubies. Yeah. The star rubies. Those are really cool. Have you guys seen those? Yeah. What is that? That's 1990. What's that? 1998. Yeah. Right? Uh, they, they, they came out. Um, they were, they were numbered uh, typically to 50. And so, you know, similarly as rare there, there you go. There's a basketball, there's some basketball. So there's uh football and baseball also had these star rubies and, you know, they don't get the headlines that the credit, that the uh, precious metal gems do. But I mean, if you were to ask the big nineties collectors, you know, what's their, what's like, where does, where do the star rubies rank? And they're right there with PMGs. Like, you know, if you're trying to build like the, a collection of the most valuable cards of Peyton Manning, Randy Moss, even like Brett Favre and Reggie White and Dion, you've got to get one of the rubies, right? Those are, and it's, you know, the first two or three years, especially they did skybox did continue to make them, but once you get beyond about 2000, they're just not worth nearly as much. There you go, Andy, 29, 29, That, that ain't nothing. Andy, you got that baby. <laughs> you got that cash money. I love it. And it, it, it just goes. So if you got a favorite team, like you're talking about like the bucks, if you wanted to really celebrate the bucks of that era, you can buy like the Mike Allstott, you know, you know, for a re you know, it's probably like the biggest Allstott card. Right. But if you want a really special, like, you know, if you really like Allstott, you know, that might be like a thousand dollar card or maybe $500 to get his rubies card. But that is like a really freaking awesome Mike Allstott card. Right. Let's, let's get to it. Andy, why, 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 why are you sleeping on these rubies? Let's go. Uh, we say I hi know, to Hector. Uh, we say hi to Hector. Early '90s upper deck game use autos. That is my favorite thing. I look at this stuff every night, Rob. Um, I am a big believer in game use patches. That's why I like uh, that Dante Culpepper, you know, card of yours. I love Dante Culpepper. If he would have stayed healthy, I think he would have been uh, a Hall of Famer at some point. Uh, and I, I'll just sometimes just catch myself just doing the. <laughs> yeah yeah I, I, I love it was such a simple celebrate andy andy let me see let me see you let me see you baby let's go look hey. at that huh? Yeah. Huh? Huh? you know huh? the only problem is a hardcore viking fan when we first landed cold pepper was he had a little bit of a fumbling issue and i one of my uh buddies at the time they they nicknamed him pig knuckles because he fumbled all the time right <laughs> and he he was good at dropping back and throwing bombs up to moss those were like some real couple of really awesome years for viking fans yeah there you go um and, and it, it just goes back to an overarching thing and andy you know my uh opinion on this and i think rob you would agree with me some i am just not the biggest fan of buying a grade right because if you're buying super vintage cards uh because like there are people andy that watch that want to get a unitas and obviously a psa 6 of a unitas card is 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 valuable very valuable i just don't like cards that are reliant upon condition right i and condition's great don't don't get it twisted but it's obviously a very subjective thing with rob and what he has told us today numbered cards add an objective rarity to it uh, game use patch adds an objective rarity to it to where the actual condition 
of the card isn't as important as the card itself. Does, does that make sense uh, to you, Rob, at all? Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. I like those uh, big kind of game-used RPA cards. I've got one of yeah. five. I've got the matching one-of-ones of Culpepper and Moss. Uh, <laughs> love to get more. You know, they. I don't really care what the grade is. I mean, no. I don't want to be mistaken. Like, I would pay a premium for a high-graded, you know, one of these right. RPAs. But with that said, like, when these cards are so special and so rare, just owning a copy, you know, is 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 sometimes enough, right? Even for the most ambitious collector. So I'll give you an example. Like, my brother and I have been have been uh, we've got a, already a lot of the big uh, football cards that we want. So we 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 saw that baseball cards are even lower priced than football for these big '90s sets. So our New Year's resolution was to start stocking up on baseball. And, uh, you know, I think we recently got a, one of the big Ken Griffey Jr. Uh, not late 90s insert cards as a PSA 6. And I think it was like around $15,000. But like, you know, we, there aren't that many. Try to find a willing seller of one of these really special Ken Griffey Jr. cards. And so, you know, normally I would never settle and buy a PSA 6 of any card. But like, you know, when there's only 50 copies and there's, there might only be one or two of those that sell a year. You know, you got to feel pretty lucky just to get your hands on one of them, you know. So so that's kind of, you know, I'm, I'm totally with you. I don't think you don't have to worry so much about grading on some of these really rare special cards. Yeah, yeah. let's take let, Andy, let's take a few of these uh, questions uh, here. Uh, we say out of Jason, who really promotes uh, the card quest on Facebook. Kent's been waiting patiently for uh, this question up here. I saw you highlighted in Andy about Walter Payton. Uh, Walter Payton honors sets after his death. Uh, Upper Deck Heroes 27, card set of Payton. Fleer Skybox 10, card set of Payton. And that's the thing, you know, whenever I, I don't know what happened to Rob. I hope he gets back in with us here in a second. There, uh, there he is. Um, you know, like Walter Payton is, you know, a legend, sweetness. You know, it's everybody, you know, grew up with that if you're over the age of 40, right? Um, and that's what's interesting. I know Walter Payton has, you know, very popular vintage uh, stuff. But, you know, if I was a Walter Payton collector like uh, Kent, I would look into, you know, getting some of these super rare uh, Walter Payton cards, even though they were printed after he was done playing. Yeah, I don't know as much about those. I, I kind of target cards mainly in the playing career, but I'm totally I would agree with you. Like, I mean, otherwise, you're just there's not that many cards to choose from if you're going right. after Peyton. He did, they didn't have that many sets in the, his playing career. So, you, you know, unless you want to play the grading game and just keep going up to the top, you know, raising, you know, getting higher grades. Um, Sadly, I sold a PSA 10 Walter Payton tops rookie seven, the set 1976. I think it was right, right after COVID started to fund some Kobe Bryant cards that my brother and I were buying, you know, that card hadn't really gone up that much in value. That was sort of a bit, one of my big, uh, big regrets in terms of cards I sold because uh, almost, you know, seemingly like months after we sold it, it just skyrocketed. Now I'm afraid I'll probably never own that card again. But, you know, I do, I do like the, uh, you know, that is the sad thing as a kid of the eighties and nineties is like, you know, some of my favorite players stopped playing. Like if they stopped playing before like 1997, then they missed to me the most iconic right. that's a football of all time. I'm, I'm biased, but I think it, it's the 97 to 2000 era you know, all these like the I mean, other than RPAs and stuff, if the, the big innovation of like, you know, making limited edition cards came from those that, those two to three year 
time period. And so if, if your favorite player, you know, stopped playing by 97, they don't have cards in those sets. And it's, I'll tell you in baseball, what really bums me is Kirby Puckett as a, you know, Minnesota sports fan, you know, he, he had a short career cut short by injury. And then he had a tragic, you know, early death, but he missed all these big sets by one stinking year. If he played one more year, he would have been all my favorite sets and, Man, would that have been fun to collect? But he left baseball, I think it was 96, and all these iconic sets came out in, like, 97. So, you know, I've got a lot of the – I've got all the biggest base rookies in PSA 10 for Kirby Puckett. But, like, you know, he's just – and the same thing is true, like, as a Viking fan, you know, probably not as well-known, but, like, Chris Dolman, who also died kind of young, he was a, a big 90s and 80s pro bowler, Hall of Famer, defensive lineman for the Vikings – you know, he stopped playing like the year before all these big sets came out. So, so yeah. that's the game. And look, I and look at this. Derek, Derek brings up uh, your guy, John Randall. Oh, yeah. You know, Randall actually is in most of these sets, thankfully. So if you want to see the best John Randall cards of all time, check out my collection on my Twitter profile. I've got them. I've got most of them. <laughs> yeah. John Randall had a heck, you know, undrafted free agent, as I recall, you know, yeah. and all of famer and. You know, you got to respect the guys. We had a, in this generation, of course, we had Adam Thielen, who was like a, also undrafted, who became a star player for the Vikings. So these are, I mean, man, talk about the, that guy had a, a motor, didn't he? And quite a personality. So he's a, I don't know if like the nationally, if John Randall gets the love, but certainly in like Minnesota Vikings country, he's a fan favorite. I'll go back and listen to his mic up stuff. At Randall PMG, that's the 98 PMG number to 50. Uh, if you scroll up right there, second from the right, that's that's probably my favorite football card, period, in terms of like, that was about a $2,000 card. But if you just look at the color and the and how vibrant, you know, the, it is, it's just like, it's just a gorgeous card. I really like, that's the 98 uh, Precious Metal Gems. But in particular, that John Randall just really pops, doesn't it? Yeah. It'd be better uh, if it was mm-hmm. Donnelly using the next gem iPhone app, you can kind of rotate it, but on the web, you just, you just have to look at it and you can see zoom in pictures of my cards just by clicking those thumbnails. If you want to see like the corners or the different surfaces. Yeah. And would you say, um, what would you, as far as your collection is concerned of, of some of these like very rare stuff, you'd say probably like 50, 50 graded versus raw. I would generally, you know, s- submit them for grading. Like I actually, this is the rock uh, photo. I have, I actually had this graded. It just came back like in the last week from PSA. It graded a seven. Oh, nice. It's, but uh, the, the, by the way, the precious metal gems are pretty condition sensitive. The way they were uh, manufactured, they're really susceptible to chipping on the edges. So yeah, it's yeah. quite unusual to see tens. There's hardly any tens. And even like eights and nines for PMGs are from PSA are really, really good. And uh, and there's a lot of like fives and sixes and sevens. So, you know, if you get a PSA seven of like, like that John Randall, that's respectable, you know, like. And by the way, they only made 50. So, you know, if you, you're just sort of like happy to have one if you can find one, you know, if you're a Randall collector. Yeah. So uh, if you guys can't get your questions in uh, for Rob, we're going to hang out for a little bit longer here with our guest. His name is Rob. Weber, am I saying your last name correct? Is it Weber or Weber? Weber, yep. Weber, Rob Rob Weber. So, you know, for me, I love this stuff. It, it gives me nostalgia. This was my favorite time period, you know, watching football. What's very interesting is two players that, you know, I've always looked into and, and loved were LaDainian Tomlinson and Adrian Peterson. 
And it's interesting, you know, some of their autograph stuff, you could still get 200, 300, 400 dollars. And I'm like, God, that is cheap for, you know, guys that are uh, that freaking awesome. I mean, they were the two best running backs of the modern era by, you know, a good little bit. I mean, I know Marshall Falk is in that conversation. But what's interesting, Rob, is like I, I look at some of these top refractors, like gold refractors with those guys. It looks so good, right? You know, they, they both had gold in the uniforms and matches the card and all that stuff. Uh, and it's it's interesting how many cool like 90s, but really like early 2000s, mid 2000 uh, refractor cards that are out there they, that you could find for just anyone for uh, a pretty good deal. Yeah, no, totally. It's uh, it's kind of it's kind of crazy how like you know, like you said, these iconic, you know, sort of the best of a generation running backs. Just they don't have much, you know, hobby. They don't have much hobby love, but I think that's sort of a buying opportunity. If you love those players, like you know, those are great players to target. You know, I I think, uh, you know, I've got actually most of the PMGs and most of the rubies of the top '90s football up. So of course, Marshall Fall kind of crossed over into the 2000s. But uh, I've got I've been able to snap up most of those. And I just again, going back to that where we started the discussion compared to basketball, like Mar Marshall Falk was a generational, you know, player, part of the greatest show on turf, won a Super Bowl with the Rams and, you know, one of the, the best, you know, handful of running backs of his generation and like his top cards in the hobby, like don't even go for more than, you know, maybe a couple thousand dollars, which I know that's a lot of money for a lot of collectors, but like. When you compare that to the the same players that were that were that iconic in basketball, you're talking hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars for those same cards. So I don't know why the football card world, you know, I guess they're picking on. You can see these cards are going up in value, but I just think the football card collector, you know, to me, they're like a year or two behind the basketball collectors, at least like it seems like the basketball collectors all have awareness of these sets. And, and you know, the difference now is like, you know, again, those like those early, that Falk 98 precious metal gems, they made 50. And, you know, maybe there were five one of ones of Marshall Falk in 1998. You know, there's like 200 one of ones of the current football players every year or more. You know, what do they say? Like Trevor Lawrence had like 2,000 plus like parallel rookies and like 60 yeah. plus total rookies for Trevor Lawrence. You know, this is where I, my mind, I don't know. And I know I'm, a, I'm naive about like the ultra modern because I don't really collect it. But it's like much easier to determine what are the really valuable cards in the late 90s because there just aren't that many to pick from. You know, when there's four or five one-on-ones in the late 90s of like Marshall Falk, like one of you probably can't even find them. Like they might not resell in, in years and years and years. Like it's really hard to locate them even. So yeah, or or you could spend thousands of dollars on Mac Jones and Zach Wilson cards. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. It's kind of crazy. I don't know, but that maybe that's why I just see all this value in like these '90s cards because it's. I, I know, it. I know everybody preaches what they collect, but I, I just feel like it's easier for me to like as an analytical guy. It's kind of easier for me to to sort of pick this out. I know there are sets today that stand apart from the others, you know, from the ultra modern. Uh, what is it like, exquisite and national treasures and if you get the big hit cards in those, like, okay, you know, that makes sense. But then what about all the, you know, the, all the other rainbows and parallels that are out there? It's like, I don't know where you draw the line, you know? Yeah. One, one of the things that I find so fascinating about this is that a lot of these cards from the late nineties and early two thousands, they, they look like they have the nice chrome finish and the nice quality of these ultra modern cards. 
Uh, I oftentimes wonder if they were even, you know, had a little bit better quality control to them because of how many different sets and parallels within those sets Panini is printing these days for football. Yeah, it is interesting. Although I would say as someone who's hoarded a lot of these, like probably like over a thousand of these really rare limited edition, like late nineties, 2000, early 2000 cards is watch out for print lines. Um, some of these sets in particular have more, uh, they'll just have like lines, run, like print lines that are going down them. And uh, although I'll get, even you know, if it's numbered to 24, like particularly like Fleer Brilliance Gold, that that uh, 24 karat gold moss that, that you had up earlier, mm-hmm. you know, that one is notorious, that set, the Fleer Brilliance for having like print lines through them. So you just gotta, you gotta look at the kind of the eye appeal. I've also seen sometimes the background on the surface, the colors can be off. So, like, I don't know if the printer was, like, running low on a certain type of ink or whatever. So, there, there are printer defects. You just you want to pay attention to that. That can kind of obviously change the value of the cards. You'll see a lot of these. Uh, uh, this is one of my favorite sets. Yeah, the Fleer. You can get the gold ones numbered at 99, and they're pretty reasonably priced, especially Dude, raw. Really? Look there at you that. Oh. You know, I'm blown away with how many of these cards, even for no-name guys, whether it's like Scott Williams or, you know, like just like Scott Mitchell. Sorry, Scott. I saw the Scott Mitchells. And I was like, blown away. <laughs> There's still people like bidding. There's like a dozen bidders on each one of these. They're selling and buy it now for $50. I'm like, this is uh, this is pretty wild. Let's go. Yeah, I got a, I, I in particular go, I really go after uh, these big sets with like the, the NFC North. Um, so I've been hoarding all these like Packers and Lions and Bears along with the Vikings. And a lot of the Packer fans know, like my brother and I have like probably the number one Brett Favre collection in the world. And, you know, I like to hang it over the head of all the Packer fans because they're in our neighboring state of Wisconsin. And they know that a Vikings fan is sort of claimed all the top Brett Favre <laughs> Look at that Steve McNair, man. Steve McNair was a freaking vibe. I don't know if you saw this, Andy, but like he had a 70-yard run against Tony Dungy's Buccaneers for like a fourth-quarter touchdown. Man, I just loved all the quarterbacks uh, of this era. There weren't Hall of Famers. Like like I mentioned, Dante Culpepper, uh, Steve McNair, freaking loved. Man, I'm just ready to dive so deep into this. And I'm actually going through this uh, transition right now. And I've looked at a lot of your stuff, Rob, and I appreciate you coming on and sharing all this advice because it is kind of weird for me because some of the best modern NFL players are my favorite players, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, you know, Joe Burrow. But, you know, we we don't know if they're going to have the careers at Peyton Manning, who I love, Drew Brees, I saw Drake's PC in here a minute ago. He's a huge Drew Brees collector. Um, it, the, the stuff is just unfreaking believably cool to to look at this, and we know the we we have a better idea of the print run. We you see the stamped on the back out of fifty and all that stuff, and that just that just gets me excited. It, it really, really, really does. Yeah, they're really cool cards. I think I think you know I'm very long on these these iconic kind of late '90s sets, um, and they're and they're actually if you compare them to the like you were saying those stars of today, like these sets are have much lower supplies and there's not as many parallels, and like you know you I can really see these jumping in value over time. I'm not trying to provide investment advice. I would only put into cards what you can afford to lose, but. I mean, I'm not buying to flip these cards and make it clear. Like, I buy these to hold them. I, I think these are these are like my favorite cards. 
I'm actually trying to sell off a lot of my other stuff just to keep funding more acquisitions of these. You, by the way, you mentioned Steve McNair. There's like a Steve McNair super collector friend of mine on the Next Gen map. He's uh, literally cool. got all the top lit, late 90s Steve McNair cards. If you want to see them all, I forget his uh, username, but if you just look up Steve McNair on Next Gen, you'll see it right away. He's got like, you know, the funny thing is like eBay actually doesn't have that much of a selection in these, you know, for the really, really rare special cards. Like we probably have more on the Next Gen iPhone app than eBay just because like, <laughs> It's probably because like people see me sharing them all the time, and that, am I and actually on Instagram? Are you guys more active on Twitter or Instagram? I I am more active on Twitter, but you know I found Drake's PC on on Instagram. I know Instagram is like better for cards, like overall, like the photos and all of that. But I'm more active on Twitter. What say you, Andy? Yeah, I'm obviously most active on uh, YouTube and in our Discord uh server that we have but yeah i would say then twitter and then instagram uh for me yeah you know my twin brother's like he's really active on instagram and i'm pretty i'm really active on twitter i'm actually gonna set up a youtube channel i i took my 30 my 30 best card stories from the last year from twitter out of like six thousand tweets and i'm making them into short videos uh and it's mainly centered around like these big 90s football and and, and other cards um, because I, I don't find there's much content on YouTube. So I really thank you guys for, you know, doing this show. You know, you know, obviously, if you want to find people breaking ultra modern, like there's a lot of people who are creating content around that. But these 90 sets, like, you know, I think they're really cool. And there's just not a lot of video content, you know, talking about them. So thanks for having me on. And I think the yeah, so uh, hopefully to launch uh, like my YouTube channel in a few weeks to share some of my best stories about 90s uh particularly 90s uh cards you know the funny thing is you can buy i don't know what some of the ultra modern wax goes for but like you know the metal universe or some of the really these really big uh, uh wax you can buy boxes you know for a few hundred dollars up to maybe like a, a grand so i would love to see more people like breaking these i've actually my brother and i went out and acquired like 20 30 grand of the you know all the nine big 90s football wax that we could and also like baseball and so we, uh, you know, we save it for special occasions with other collectors and we'll break it. Last yeah. year, National, my 13-year-old boy bought a, a box of $200, uh, $200 for the 1998 Ultra football. This was the first year that had the platinum medallions. So normally you'd get about one of those platinum medallions numbered to about 100 per box. So he opens that box and I'm thinking, all right, he, you know, he's not going to get anything big. If he gets, you know, there's like, I don't know, a few hundred cards in that set, a couple hundred. You know, obviously you want to get Rice or Sanders. What does he open up? A Jerry Rice Platinum Medallion. What? That was the only one that he got. It was a Rice. So he sent that into PSA, and it freaking came back a nine. Damn. So for a 200 box, he pulled a 70. Well, we think the value is about $7,500 on that Jerry Rice Platinum Medallion. And – uh it's just incredible. Of course, now my 13-year-old boy thinks like he's like, he can't lose money on trading cards, right? <laughs> Been really with uh, but it, and it's funny, is like, I mean, he knows who Jerry Rice is, but he'd probably rather flip that for a Jam a Chase or you know, Jeff Brook <laughs> a big card. But I'm trying to get him just to like trade it or sell it to me because like that rice is freaking insane. That's the biggest card our family's ever pulled out of a box for sure. Yeah, let's get to a few of these questions uh, really quickly, Andy. 
Um, I like Derek bringing up Jeff Blake and Carl Pickens. Let's go. I love that. Huh? 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 Best Jeff Blake uh-huh. card. Uh, I could. Uh, I we just. Uh, I just added it to my collection. In my opinion is the 1998 Metal Universe Precious Metal Gems number to 50. They have a picture of a of a Bengal, so a tiger, in this like really chrome finish refraction card. It kind of looks like the Barry Sanders instead of a, a lion, though, like the Barry, which I also have on on Next Gem. You have the uh, the Blake card, and like it is like freaking so cool. You know, you have the Bengal tiger. Uh, there it is. There it is. Look at that card. It's just like, I mean, holy smokes, is that like a cool design? Uh, so yeah, if you're looking for like a really awesome Jeff Blake, I think this is the one you want to go after right here. I'd be happy to sell you this one for the right price if you want it. I'm not like emotionally attached to it. It is a yeah. real cool card. Though. Yeah, it's like gotta... the original downtown right here. I, f- I, f- I feel like a lot <laughs> of the <laughs> ideas that Panini has for their optic downtowns and their kabooms and the gold vinyls and stuff are taken from these iconic late 90s, early 2000s sets. Yeah. Look at this, Andy. BCJ says excellent advice. Only invest in cards, what you can afford to lose. That's obviously a really good comment. That's what Rob just said, you know, a minute ago. So that's good stuff, Rob. Look, you're already bleeding off on our viewers. That's uh, pretty cool stuff. Um, really quickly here, do you vault any of these, or do you do you do you have all of them on you? I don't like vaulting cards. I like to have them in my physical possession. Um, I think there's two probably security and then probably taxes are the top reasons people vault cards you know right. uh most states you can register if you fill out the right form as a like a collector or a dealer and then they you won't get charged sales tax so you can eliminate that benefit and then like the security i've got insurance out on my collection uh, my brother and i have them sort of like scattered in different like safes and deposit boxes but you know they're within minutes of me pulling out you know for a collect or maybe uh <laughs> Between my brother and I, he, uh, we have them in, you know, in safe locations. So I just, I don't know. I don't know about you guys. I, I don't have, I think it's a personal choice. I just personally like to physically have them. I don't really, I don't know. Every once in a while I like to pull them out or, you know, show them to friends. Maybe while we're breaking uh, 1998 Metal Universe, you know, box. Maybe I want to show you that Jeff Blake in person or, you know, or, and also at some of the bigger shows, like if you're going to the National um, last year, my brother and I brought like maybe a hundred of our most valuable cards and, uh, actually had a showcase at one on the, on the exhibit floor. Um, but I just like to, you know, I think collecting is a lot of it is about sharing, you know, the, the nostalgia and the passion with other collectors, you know, and I just, right. I don't know, I'd rather have them. And, but that's also why I use next gem, like my collection, there's 2000 cards all in high def, all on the next gem app. That's free. And, you know, I, I that's why. You know, I just want everyone to be able to enjoy these cards. Like, just because, you know, we've been had the good fortune to be able to afford to buy some of these. I don't want to hide them from the world. Like, I want to celebrate these really awesome cards. Like, I want people to be yeah. able to enjoy them. That's kind of why, you know, uh, you know, why I like to make them all available uh, and like to have them close. Do you guys vault your cards? I, I don't. Um, my friend is a huge 90s high-end um, NBA guy, and he vaults. Um and Andy and I, we, we obviously our collection isn't on you know your level of of, of, of valuability, if you will. But I, I I do have someone in my family that does you know have huge sets. He does not vault. He likes to have the full set so he can go through them when he when he wants. 
and uh, he was just going through a lot of his, you know, Will Chamberlain, you know, uh, 60s, 70s NBA sets and all that stuff. So, Andy, I, I, I know you don't vault, correct, uh, Mr. Yeah, Cody? yeah. I mean, I look at it uh, a lot like the artwork, like artwork, you know, so I like to display. You see a lot of them I do have displayed uh, here behind me, and I feel like, um, you know, to really see the details, we're talking about, um, you know, the little tiny surface issues and, and stuff like that. You have to have that thing in person. Uh, it's just, I don't know. It's just a whole, that, that tactile response, as Carter says, that, that we talk about with, with sports cards, especially the older ones. I think it's really cool to hold an older card in my hand and be able to look at it, you know, really closely. It's just, uh, so many intricacies. Yeah. You know, I will be clear. Like I don't just collect like the really high end stuff. Like I also, I like to also target what I consider to be like the most iconic cards, you know, I don't talk about them as much because, you know, they don't really draw. Well, they draw a lot of interest, but I try to like, for example, you know, I recently picked up like some of the top base rookie cards for like LaDainian Tomlinson and Sean Taylor from the what then was the Redskins. And like, uh, you know, uh, maybe Andre Johnson on the Houston Texans or Tony Baselli, an offensive lineman who was all a famer. Like these cards are like less than ten dollars for like their top base rookies. And I just really like having them. I think they're really cool. Like, you know, it, it doesn't have to be these big whale cards that are thousands of dollars and make card collecting enjoyable. It's just like I kind of have a, a mixed mixed collection of, you know, kind of things that are more approachable and like, you know, less expensive. And then we have some of these bigger cards, too. Yeah. And, you know, the only downside uh, from your perspective, Rob, is you know, there are people watching this and they, they have big Josh Allen, big Lamar Jackson, Jamar Chase collections is these guys don't play anymore. So from your perspective, uh, do, do you ever go like, God, I wish these guys were, were, were still playing because you don't have, you know, cause Andy does a lot of data. It's a, it's a big part of what his channel is. You know, prices go up at times when players have, you know, big spike weeks, you know, that's the downside of, of, you know, collecting these guys is cause they don't play anymore. How, how do you how do you reconcile that? Uh, I think you can view it as downside. I view it as upside. Like how is uh how is a um 1998 like pick the top five Randy Moss cards for my collection? What is he gonna do that's gonna cause the value to go down? So like if I'm gonna put big money on a card, you know if it can go up really fast, it can probably go down really fast too. And so I I like the safety of the players that are proven. And like you pointed out, like there's unproven players where their better cards are selling for much higher prices than like you know some of the greatest you know randy moss i also collect jerry rice by the way so some people i will argue that i think moss is the best receiver of all time some people well, a lot of people disagree and say it was rice i think but but i think i think maybe moss had the most talent but rice had the best career but yeah. you know, either way i collect them both so if you want to see the biggest jerry rice cards i've got them on my next gen page too I've got like all these same sets. I've got all the biggest rice cards, you know, or many of them, not all, but I've tried to build it. And same with Barry Sanders. So, but I like that. It's just like, you know, I, I one thing I like about Randy Moss is, you know, he's obviously, is it the ESPN broadcast crew he's on? And he, you got Moss, all that. And you yeah, know, he's yeah. staying relevant in popular culture, which I think is always good. Same thing with the Mannings. We talk about paid Manning. Like, I don't think it's a bad thing for the next generation of fans to see these you know, Hall of Fame GOAT players, you know, kind of, yeah, so there's a, there's the Ruby's Rice, there's the, uh, that's the P 98 PMG Rice, I mean, these Damn. are, these are number to 50, these are some of Rice's very, I mean, 
you I like the 1986 Tops Rice rookie, but you know that's a really condition sensitive card, the Tops rookie. But like I sold, I had a PSA 10 86 Tops rookie. One of my friends on Next Gem has one, but like I just personally find these cards to be a lot cooler. Like look at that thing, man. That is just like it's so it's just like I don't know. It just makes me happy every time I look at it. It's beautiful. Yeah, and when when I traded a PSA eight Rice rookie for Baker Mayfield, I was like, okay, I got to I got to stay away from these. And 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 yeah. I was I was on the better end of that 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 trade. I was like, okay, I want to. That, that's not right. So that's when I started looking into like more rare, you know, kinds of stuff. Now I'm not purchased a PMG or anything like that, but you know, I'm certainly uh, interested um, in that. Now, uh, if you want to hang out, uh, uh, if if you want to hang out for a little bit, uh, Rob, we uh, a few current things. Andy, I I do. We we did have a question earlier about uh, Lamar Jackson. Um, let me ask you right now, Andy, will Lamar Jackson be a Baltimore Raven next year? The Ravens have officially tagged him. Uh, they just released a statement uh, while we were live. Your thoughts, Andy? Ooh, wow. Okay, well, I mean. I know that's not what he was hoping for. Um, yeah, that's 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 interesting. I think I, I think yeah, ultimately he will be. Uh, but wow, that's yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah, here's uh, the general manager Eric DeCosta. Having not yet reached a long term deal with Lamar Jackson, we will use the franchise tag. So um, I'll ask you, Rob. There's there's some smoke here at the Atlanta Falcons. Will Lamar Jackson be a Baltimore Raven next year? I uh, I think he probably will because what is it? If someone wants to sign them, they have to not they they have to match. Well, the Ravens have a chance to match a contract, and then if they don't, right. they get two first round picks. That's a pretty hefty tag for another team to pay. I think to get the rights to Lamar. So I, I think I think it's a coin maybe a coin flip, but I would probably. Slightly here on the side that he's probably going back to the Ravens under this franchise tag. But- All right. In the chat right now, type R for Ravens, type O for other, or just type where you think he's going uh, to, to, to play. I hope he doesn't go to the Falcons, me being a Saints fan. Andy, uh, our first time reacting to the Derek Carr news, Chris Alave. Good question right here uh, from Hector, Andy. Um, you, you don't have to put it on the screen, but we'll just answer because I know you're pulling some stuff up here is chris alave a buy now with Derek carr on board andy well i think i think Derek carr is a um an upgrade over obviously andy dalton and uh Jameis winston so i i do i definitely think uh chris alave's card values are probably already going up a little bit just because he is that rookie and he is asserted himself as the alpha wide receiver for that team so i think his values, his his excitement, his hype is going to go up as we head into the season. I think the acquisition of Derek Carr is also going to rise uh, Chris Olave's fantasy ADPs. People are going to start taking him earlier in drafts because they're going to be expecting more production for him, especially after they uh, release Michael Thomas. You know what I'm saying? So there's like Chris Olave is the future of the Saints. And I think absolutely from a dynasty football card perspective his values should go up throughout the summer and we've got new releases still coming out for him so it's a little tricky right you kind of kind of have to make sure you're reverse engineering those uh those sold items that you're finding to make sure you're not just like paying in already at the peak for those chris olave cards but 
I think uh, I think he, he definitely goes up in value this year. Because we're running a little short on time here. Let's go to this question right here while we have Rob uh, here from Scatterbrain. I absolutely do not trust a sealed hobby box from over 20 years ago. Paid some serious cash, and the packs were clearly resealed. So I, I want to go to you, uh, Rob, on that. Have you, have you heard of things like that happening? And do you actually buy uh, – you, you mentioned a minute ago that you have some, but how do you go about buying your sealed wax from that era? I, no, I haven't had any with boxes that were tampered. Uh, and I've opened quite a few with my brother and I the last couple of years. The bigger issue I've had is actually with some of these like chrome type finished cars or, uh, is that, is that they, they start to stick together. Some of them, not oh, all, yeah. maybe yeah. like order of the, of the, like this sort of like nineties era wax that I've opened, you know, the cards, sometimes it sticks together so much that you can't even pull the cards apart without damaging. I did hear there's a little tip. If you find yourself in that situation is to put the, Put the wax in the refrigerator for like a half hour before you open it. I've actually never done this yet, but someone I've heard from others that said that that'll really help for whatever reason. Cooling off the cards a little bit helps with it, them separating. Um, right. But yeah, I've, I've definitely had, uh, you know, maybe about two out of 10 boxes where there's been, you know, maybe like some sticking and maybe like one out of every 20, you know, maybe it's like it's <laughs> they're clearly damaged, right? I have been, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I think you got to be really careful who you buy from. And I don't buy, you know, I haven't the really big boxes. You know, I know there's grading for them. Uh, I guess maybe we've just gotten lucky. You know, we probably bought 20, 30 grand worth of big 90s wax. And we've never had tampering. Just just the, uh, the issue with the cards sticking together once in a while. Yeah, you heard Rob right there. Trust everybody. Totally kidding. <laughs> Uh, but, uh, but yeah, that's, it's, it's obviously really cool. And I guess Rob, um, it's important to keep, you know, the cards that you have just in general, uh, to keep them cool. Correct. You, you don't want to keep like, for instance, if you have a bunch of these, you don't want to keep them in the attic where it's a thousand degrees. Right. Yeah. I, yeah. I usually try to keep them in like a dark place, you know, usually in a safe, Usually, like it's a cooler part of the the house, or or the maybe if you haven't been wherever you have them, you know. So yeah, I think you got to be uh, with the wax. I mean, I think once you have a graded single, you know, it's probably less of an issue. I think they they're protected a little bit better, but still, you don't ever want cards to hit really extreme conditions, right? So anyway, right. Um, Aaron Rodgers, Rob, where's he gonna go? Uh, well, that's a great question. I mean, everybody. A lot of people think the Jets, right? I don't know. I just think his contract is a big issue. I don't think the – have you guys seen what the cap hit is if Rodgers goes the leaves? It seems like his contract might just – might end up just seeing him go back to the Packers even if he wants to leave because just too much dead cap money for the Packers to eat for him to leave. Uh, and, and then if you got to give him $50 million a year, trade a bunch of first-round picks, you know – that's you know that's pretty tough to stomach for an NFL franchise. So I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. Uh, I would lean towards he goes back to the Packers. What say you, Andy? Yeah, I think this. I think this trade actually happens. I think he. I think he goes to the Jets. Uh, they made it clear that they're not going to trade him to a, an NFC. Or he does like there's some type of clause about going to an NFC team. So um, I could totally see it happening because there's so much drama and just tension building with. Uh, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers in the front office and the GM already said love is ready to go. 
And I think looking at the dead cap, the cap implications, if he stays there this year, they're either going to be forced to trade Jordan Love and recoup some capital for him, or they're going to trade Aaron Rodgers. So I think one of those things happen. I guess either way I look at it, I think Jordan Love is a good buy right now. What do you, what do you think about buying into Jordan Love? I saw you had a gold Jordan Love card in your collection there on Next Gym, Rob. Yeah, I think it's the only Jordan Love card I own. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I, you know, I don't think he's looked too bad in the very limited action he's had. So I don't know that he's going to be the next Aaron Rodgers. I mean, the Packers have been, you know, had the good fortune of transitioning from Favre to Rodgers. Like the Packer fans don't know what like mediocre quarterback plays like. But I think I think Jordan Love under. I mean, I think the problem probably for the Packers is what is he? He's going to be entering his what third or fourth year. So he's kind of ending it. Yeah, there's the love card that I own. Um, if conversely, if you look up Brett Favre, I probably have like a hundred Brett Favre's in my collection, but uh-huh. own uh-huh. all love, but yeah, I, I think it's, uh, you know, I, I guess I, when this is always my dilemma is like, right. Should I pick up another big Brett Favre card or should I go chase Jordan love? And I've just always, I feel a lot safer like that. This phone pride died. Um, uh, Joshua is Livy Dunn worth collecting? Her cards are almost two hundred dollars uh, a pop. Livy Dunn is a superstar gymnastics. Have you ever heard of Livy Dunn, Andy? Huh? Huh? Uh, no, I, I can't say that I have. I can't say that yeah. I have. I, I did a quick search for him, and I was I was impressed. I'm like, whoa, okay, yeah. Her her auto cards. I think that just goes back to like uh, popularity. Uh, social popularity and uh, some of these cards are quite provocative and they have autographs on them and stuff <laughs> and i mean she's uh she's very pretty so yeah it makes sense of why these are selling for so much 10 um, million social media followers oh, that buddy that's more than odell beckham jr and that, that, that crazy 10 million uh yeah garrett wilson oh my goodness i think garrett wilson becomes Justin Jefferson if I, I like Garrett Wilson a lot. I think he becomes uh like a Justin Jefferson type talent if Aaron Rodgers goes there. And it's come from you know an LSU guy. Um but yeah Rob we, we know you we know you're a super busy guy. Um and uh, we really appreciate uh you hopping on with us and um yeah man I I I am going in your direction Rob I am like I you can ask Andy uh, I've not bought a modern card in a while I have moved on to numbered Peyton Manning numbered Drew Brees uh, patches that's my favorite thing game use patches so you're my kind of guy man I I love you know looking back you know when I was little watching work done and all these guys. Uh, I, I my favorite part of today's episode was talking about Carl Pickens and Jeff Blake. <laughs> Uh, I mean, these, these, I mean, you, most people probably couldn't recognize them just walking around, but those guys, you know, had stories. They were, they were great two to three year player. And I saw someone mention priest Holmes earlier, like how much fun uh, these guys were to watch. And they have all these fun refractors and, and all this top stuff. So uh, I appreciate you, you know, uh, sharing your knowledge and and how you you build all that. With those like, these like if you're really uh like say your pc like a team you know you can get some really special cards of just like players that the hobby would as maybe said are common 
but you don't think they're common. They were like your favorite player on your favorite teams, like Jeff Blake. And I think that's what makes some of these big nineties, uh, you know, 97 to 2000, these kind of serial numbered cards, like so cool because you really can't find like, you know, how many, like even take Derek Thomas from the chiefs hall of famer died way too young. There's a lot of chiefs fans who are into Mahomes these days, but like for the really, for the chiefs fans that are maybe a little bit older, you know, Derek Thomas was like a generational talent for them. And, you know, he's got, he happened to play in 1998 and 1997 and 99. So there's like just some monster Derek Thomas cards. And like, they're, they're not crazy expensive. Like, I mean, if you're going to spend a thousand dollars on a card, like hard to see a Derek Thomas, like PMG going down in price. Like, you know, maybe it will, but like, there's only 50 of them in 98 and like, you know, it's a really freaking cool card. Like they just don't sell that frequently. So I think that that's why I think that they're a little more stable on the pricing just because there's just not, there's not much else to choose from. If you want a really awesome Derek Thomas card, you know, there's maybe five parallels that you want to go target and there, and there's only what 50 to a hundred in each maybe. So there's just there. It's it's not that hard to kind of, if you, if you get 10 or 15 of these top Derek Thomas cards, you pretty much got the whole collection and, you might be able to do that for 10 grand or something. And he's, you know, he's probably one of the top 100 football players of all time. Right. So I think that just makes it really cool. Like, I think it's a little bit harder you know, as some of the other eras to decide, like, how do you want to collect? And at least that that's how I collect, but yeah, I appreciate the time today, guys. If anyone has any questions on like nineties cards, you know, I'm, I'm really active on Twitter. You know, people are more active on Instagram. My brother's uh, Ryan Weber cards on Instagram. I'm just row row Weber one. I'm always happy. And I do a lot of nineties. If you like nineties wax and you don't want to, you know, go spend a few hundred dollars on a box. I'm constantly doing giveaways for my stash. Uh, just for like interacting with me on Twitter. I give away, you know, you know, I probably give away a box worth of cards a week. So let's go. Yeah. You want to try your awesome, man. or some of these other cards we talked about, follow me on. There's one going on right now. You can w- win. Uh, I think I got the, uh, Bowman Chrome or the uh, Flair Baseball, you get a pick if you win. So, yeah, um, Derek Thomas, twenty-seven sacks in a year at Alabama—that's still crazy. I, I'm an SEC guy; um, it's it's what I do full time. That is still just mind blowing that a human being had twenty-seven sacks Back. in a college football season. That that's going to be a record, right? Is anyone ever beat that? I no, no, no one's ever going to come close <laughs> to that. Even though they pass way more now. Yeah. Now, I, I doubt anybody even gets 20 in a college season again. That would be so freaking absurd. And he had that, and it, you know, in a transition to the NFL, right? Who remembers, like, the multi-sack games that Derek Thomas threw? Oh, oh so many. Nuts. Yeah, like six-sack games. It's just it's just nuts. Yeah. Uh, Andy, let's let's go to Hector's question here really quickly before we get out of here. This, this I Hector, please confirm this. I did see uh, the FOTL prism fresh off the line whatever first off the line whatever what was it, it was 1500 what was at the price uh andy um i don't know do you do you know rob i i thought i saw it at like 1500 for the boxes uh for the hobby box of that or was it lower than that i don't know i might i'm yeah. might i'm i might just be seeing it so hector please let me know because i am interested um, I, 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 it's fascinating, uh, the way they do those auctions off uh, directly off the Panini website for the first off the line. It's so it's like, uh, 
you know, as the as the time goes on, the price gets cheaper, but you know, you run the risk of people buying it out. So I remember watching 2020, 2021, like I mean, those were going for a lot of a lot of money. So I can only imagine that this one went for a lot less with the quarterback class and just like the increased number of of parallels and just therefore just kind of a little bit diluted. But yeah, I mean, a mediocre quarterback class overall is definitely driving that down. Yeah, my bad. I was looking at the Panini Honors 2022, but that's just I'm guessing that's just fifteen hundred right now. Uh, it could go for way less. I don't know. I've never done one of these. 678 okay i'm i've never done one of these i don't even know how they work what is it they they go down until someone actually buys it is is that how it works andy or hector i don't know yeah 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 they go so so the auction like or or the uh the i think they call it a dutch a dutch auction it opens up at like two thousand dollars but every five minutes the price drops a little bit Ah. but you 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 run the risk of it selling out so some people aren't don't want it to sell out they want to get their box so they'll pay you know the two thousand dollars or whatever it starts out at whereas other people really roll the dice and try and get it as low as they can um and you know so you have a bit of like that clicking clicking war and uh you have to refresh it uh if you get them in your cart and check out at that price when they sell out so the fact they went all the way down to 678 dollars before they sold out is absolutely wild that's that's really cheap that's really good for uh you know the buyers (laughs) yeah andy i just sent this to you in the private chat so so this box right here of panini honors will start at 1500 and when nobody gets it at 1500 it'll keep going down correct correct okay all right that's absolutely crazy uh to me are you are you going to be take uh be partaking in that rob uh probably my my oldest boy he's 13 he probably will he's uh, he's probably gonna sell that jerry rice platinum medallion to fund you know some of these uh new new boxes that he wants or he does a lot of the breaking on like whatnot or some of these things because he, he can't always afford to get a whole box but uh but well i got i had one question uh for uh what well, i was thinking about i don't know it, it's all it's kind of confusing to me i guess i don't know i don't i do like to buy i don't like to rip some of the like the ultra modern newer stuff coming out but i i don't know it's probably just i don't track it close enough so i just uh i kind of rely on my son a lot of times to tell me like what he thinks is a good buy which may be dangerous but i don't know <laughs> yeah um... it's much wax i'm much more into singles i just i prefer to kind of just buy what i want because i'm i guess i i guess i feel like i've always been unlucky ripping like i just I don't know. Uh, it's it would be it's it's certainly got to be nice to pull something nice, but I guess uh, I don't think I've ever pulled a card worth more than like a hundred dollars out of a pack. <laughs> so I haven't either. Well, well, what about you, Andy? Yeah, no, you you and me, you and me both, guys. And, and I got burned. Like I think people do get sucked in doing breaks if you hit big and your first go around, and uh, you're sucked in. We we've done a couple of breaks. Like I'm getting ready to do one for 2022 uh, Donruss giveaway here on the channel. Um, and we've done a couple of the rarest one we hit was a Kenny Pickett numbered out of 25 from uh, Panini legacy. So we, we hit pretty good last year on that Kenny Pickett at the time it was, it was selling for a pretty good amount of money, but um, yeah, I never, I, I got burned the first time I ever did a break. <laughs> I barely won a single card and so it was like, no, nah, I'm good. I want to stick with singles. So much strategy involved. And I could pick out 
like my specific target, the player that I want. A lot of times I parlay that with who I'm targeting that value in fantasy, like that fifth, sixth yeah. round guy you can get in fantasy football that should finish up like a, as a first or second rounder, you know? And then on top of that, I understand the nuances in the sports cards. So I understand I want to get, you know, their rookie auto and something serial numbered, something with that scarcity around it. That's really popular. And uh, a lot of times you can find those ending on, on eBay in an auction during the week at like Wednesday at 11 AM for like 10, $15 or something crazy, you know? And then you've got a ton of upside there. Yeah. I kind of, I like to rip wax mainly to celebrate the hobby with like friends, knowing that I'll probably knowing with my luck, I'm probably just flushing money down the toilet, but it's fun. You know, it's like if I'm going to hang out with some of my favorite collectors and I appreciate people who collect all different kind of genres, like, I think it's really fun to see someone who collects like vintage baseball or football, you know, 50, yeah. 60s era or, you know, ultra modern. And it's just, I, you know, I can get into those cards, even though it's not what I collect, you know, so it's, it's cool to see, but, uh, but anyway, it's been great being on guys. Any other final questions or remarks, or I probably got to run here. Yeah. Yeah. I do. I do as well, but no, go follow him at Roro Weber on Twitter. That's Weber with one B and you can find his link uh, to the next gym and all that good stuff. And uh, Rob, we'll have you on uh, again uh, soon, maybe before the national we'll, we'll, we'll see, man, but we appreciate you uh, sharing all your knowledge and your collection with us today, my man. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Great work guys. Uh, appreciate it. And uh, yeah, look forward to staying in touch. And uh, if, if, like I said, if anyone has questions on nineties uh, football, let me know. All right, but cheers. Right. Awesome. Yeah. Appreciate you guys. See you next yeah, time. Man. See you next week. Peace. Peace.